0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Spurs Show. Thank you so much for joining us around the world again. Lovely to have your company. Joining us this evening, three regulars, Uh, nice to say of the show, but they haven't had anyone for a little while. First of all, uh, one of the commissioning editors at Channel 5, a man who well has gone to a lot of Spurs games and a lot of very obscure Spurs games over the year. He's also, and I'm sure I mentioned, uh, I think he runs a marathon a day almost. Dan Lowe (laughs) returns. How are you, Dan?
2: Hi, how are you doing?
1: I'm very Well, what was the last marathon you did? Because whenever I go on social media, there's you running.
2: I did the Loch Ness Marathon on Sunday, so I missed the Aston Villa game. Wow! Uh, it was one of the only games I've missed this season. But I I went up to Scotland and I ran uh, the Loch Ness Marathon in the pissing rain, and uh, yeah, it was um, it was romantic. Yeah. They uh, they they gave you because it was sponsored by Baxter's. They give you a cup of soup on the finish line.
3: Oh, love! Yeah, that's, really, that's it was pretty nice. Made
2: it all worth it. <laughs>
1: How generous, <laughs> how delightful. And also joining us, a man uh, who uh, works at the prestigious O2 Arena, uh, Nathan Kosky returns. How are you, Nathan?
3: I'm good, thank you very much, Mike. Nice to be back.
1: Nice to see you, nice to have you back. And a man, uh, he's in Spain a lot, but a man who is the only man here who can say he played regularly for Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> Terry Gibson returns. How are
0: you, Terry? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very well, Mike. Very well, g- g- good, lovely yeah. to see no, you. A-, a short spell, one that Obviously, I'm grateful for, but it was a short spell. I Wished it was longer. Well, it was
1: a short and a wonderful spell. fat Dan off there, Dan. What was the goal you remember? The greatest goal you saw Terry Gibson score for Spurs?
2: Well, I can't remember exactly when this was, but it was a uh, um, there was after Cyril Knowles died. There was a friendly uh, oh, yeah. memorial game. Do you remember that? Yes, it was, uh, yes, yeah. It's about ninety three or ninety four or something like that. And, and um I think it was the eighty one or eighty two cup winning team played the ninety one cup winning team and you
0: scored the equaliser I think and it yeah. was a great goal <laughs> yep I was playing for Wimbledon at the time played the day before I think it was on a Sunday and our manager Joe he was involved in organising it because he had been a former teammate of Cyril so yeah. he asked me to help make up the numbers I came on a sub Glenn Chip one back and I I followed it from I don't know what I was thinking not my normal type of goal <laughs> caught it now I know when people say struck it so cleanly didn't happen often for me. And it barely felt like I touched it, and it was a volley and it flew in great body shape, and it was textbook. Classic Volley, but uh, yeah.
2: We've got to find that goal, I reckon. That'll be on YouTube somewhere, but I I have looked for it in the past. I haven't managed to find it, so if anybody's got it
1: anywhere. That's beautiful. 28 years on, and uh, probably the first time probably in 28 years those goals (laughs) has been mentioned by anyone, apart from the the Gibson household. We talk about it most days. (laughs) Um, Before we start, I'm going to look back at the uh, hugely important win against Aston Villa. And the Muir game. Great announcement. It's funny you mentioned Knowles and Joe here. Uh finally, we can announce our lineup Monday, December the 6th, for the annual Spurs Show Christmas event at the Hundred Club. Delighted to say that we are commemorating the 50th anniversary of the 1972 UEFA Cup team. We have joining us Pat Jennings, Phil Beale, John Pratt, Steve Perriman, Alan Mullery, and Martin Shivers. Six Players who, between them, played over 2,500 games for Tottenham. Uh, It's going to be a wonderful night. We'll be showing uh, highlights of both legs of the final against Wolves and we've unearthed some footage never seen before in this country of one of the games. It's going to be a wonderful evening. You too can join us by going to xmas.spurshow.net. There's a ticket for everyone. There's some cheap standing tickets. There's normal standing. There's a meet and greet where you go and meet the players before the show and sit in the first and second row. And there's also for some of you, join the legends at dinner after the event in a small private dining room in Soho. Just you and the players and a few others. I mean, it's gonna be incredible. So please come along. Uh Xmas.spurshow.net, Monday, December the 6th. Get it in your diary now, go online get your tickets for you and your mate. They will obviously be doing signing all your bits of tat that you've got lying around. The wife says, why have you still got those programs of the draw? They're worthless. I see them on eBay. They're worth nothing. Now get them signed and make them <laughs> worth probably about 50p more than they are now. Uh, right. So, well, big game to talk about. Um, last week's show, we did a live show. There was myself, Theo Delaney, and the journalist Martin Lipton, who had quite a rant and basically said... Nuno, it will never work at Spurs. It's never going to work. Get rid of him, get rid of him now, which was quite surprising. We then had the more level-headed Michael Dawson coming on the show. And for those of you, that show will be out on Friday. And for those of you that subscribe to our stuff on Patreon, you'll hear that on Thursday. But it was all doom and gloom last week. And I think a lot of Spurs fans, certainly what I chatted to around the ground before the game, all kind of thought, if he loses this going into the international break... He could be a goner. Um, thankfully, we, we showed up this week. We won two one. Terry, I know you said you were probably in Spain at the time and couldn't watch the whole game, but you you caught the highlights. And what was your feeling? I mean, you know, as a player, you've obviously played in various teams where I I'm, mean, I'm, I'm referring to the Arsenal game now. Don't show up. Fans very unhappy. Um, It's so important to bounce back, isn't
0: it? It is. And, and, you know, looking at the the season as a whole, and and we played, what, seven league games, some in the the European Conference League. We've had players around international duty. We played an EFL Cup match. I think it would be really harsh for him to be under pressure this soon in the season because, you know, I always think when we have a season, it was five minutes ago, we had the European Championships and the Copa America, which some of our players were involved in. And next thing you know, we're, we're blasting away into a new season and manager is already under pressure. So, to bounce back, it was it was the nature of the defeats, wasn't it, against Arsenal and Chelsea, in Crystal, particular Crystal Palace. After winning the first three and we're being cock we're thinking this is all going in the right direction. So, the the, the extreme reactions are, are incredible now. It's not just with us, Spurs fans, but all over the place. We're seeing Watford have made a change already this week. I mean, it is... I think this season is absolutely chaos. It's chaotic. <laughs> it is. We've now got the second international break. I wasn't even aware that it's the international, um, the champions semifinals. They, and I know, spe- the Italy week. Uh, this World week. Cup qualifiers yeah. and France with Belgium and then the qualifiers and, mm. and then the players will be back. Some get back sooner than others. Some <laughs> have to go hiding in other countries before they come back to England. It's, yeah. it's balmy. It really is. I mean, seeing the, the Argentina-Brazil game with some of our players involved, Naston in Villas, and to do a runner from Brazil and yeah. then head off to Croatia to come back to England. So for a manager to be under pressure, I understand there may be concerns about his style of play, his approach. Um, but I think we perhaps do have to give him a little bit longer than the seven league games and the cup matches so far and, and thankfully the performance against Villa was far better. Um, and some
1: of the players actually played a lot better as well in that game. Yeah, no, I totally agree, Nathan. I mean, um, I mean, I, you know, bizarrely, as as, as Terry said, it's in the season. Obviously, we got a week off, then we're away at Newcastle. If we win at Newcastle, we could go second. I mean, it's just brilliant. it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, bizarre. But I mean, you know, uh, 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 let's pick on pick pick on oh, not pick on. Let's let's discuss some of the players. I thought the back four played really well. And would you agree, if they remain fit, would you keep going now, week in, week out, yeah. with Romero, yeah. Dyer, um Royal and um, Region now?
3: Yeah, and, 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 and the players is the point I was, I was just sort of scribbling down as Terry was speaking. You know, you talk about the manager being under pressure, but for me as a fan, I was looking to the players, to, that I, they should be under pressure, because that performance against Arsenal, whether you... Like the manager's tactics, or you don't was, was totally unforgivable, and I and I I still haven't forgiven them for that. If I'm honest, if you turn up in one game, if you turn up for every game, then that's kind of the basics of what we asked. And that, I just thought it was the Arsenal game was unacceptable. Unexpect- so what I was pleased about, despite a sort of nervy first twenty minutes, was that there was a lot of effort there, mm. and and that that should be the minimum we asked for. So. You know, going to going on to your point, yeah, it, we're, we're it's not all doom and gloom. You look at the table; everybody's dropping points, and and that's the chaos that you know Terry's Terry's referred to as well as part of that. And you know, albeit when we were top of the league, it felt a bit like we were an elephant in a tree. You know, I don't know how we got there, and you knew we were going to kind of fall out of it with a big thud. But you know, we were we were we, that's where we were. But we're kind of you know we're at least we've got to give the manager time. I think what I liked was he changed the system to to do. Four, two, three, one, it looked like. And that yeah. it worked better. So you're right, it got the best out of the defence. I think Romero was looked really good. Obviously made a bit of a mistake for the goal, probably about out of position there and, and dived in. But the rest of the game, he he's clearly an aggressive defender, and you're gonna have to take that sometimes, I think, with the way he plays. Um, but it just fit better and the players sort of adapted to it well, and we looked we looked defensively more threatening. And that, that's, again, as Spurs fan, that's we want to see us having a go at teams. And it felt like we were a little bit more able to do that. So, yeah, I would stick with what we had there and and a decent bench when you've got people like La coming on and, and adding to that sort of, um, that tempo of things and hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully others as well.
1: Yeah, Dan, I mean, obviously, you know, you're, I, 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 I've known you for many years and you're one of those uber fans that, if you can, will go to every single game. Um, what's your take on Nuno? You know, you've watched Tottenham under many, many managers, good and bad. Uh, What was your feeling when it was finally announced for the, the eighth time running or whatever, that Nuno was our new manager? What was your uh, initial gut feeling when he came in?
2: Well, I mean, beyond underwhelmed, really. Um, It's not even so much kind of, it wasn't even so much sort of the appointment of him. He was the last sort of choice on the list, really. And, you know, most of the other people on the list actively didn't want it. There was loads of people on um, on Saturday on Twitter who were all kind of like going, oh, we should definitely offer it to Graham Potter. And it's like, well, we already did offer it to Graham Potter. And he literally told Tottenham to go and do one because we're not a big enough club as far as he's concerned. And I'm a bit disappointed with Graham Potter because he's actually turning out to be a decent manager. Whereas before I, th- I thought he was a bit overrated, really. He wasn't really getting the the results that would justify the hype around him. But I think Nuno, it's hard to know really whether Wolves, you know, was he truly a great manager or was he the beneficiary of George Mendes giving him a load of really great players? Um, You know, tactically, what is he like? Because I think there's been times since he's taken over where you've thought of, you sort of thought, well, it's kind of like Mourinho, like football, but it's relatively solid. And then there's been times where you've thought, I've literally no idea at all what the game plan is here. And I think Arsenal away, the first five minutes when Dia thwacked up, you know, long ball, the first three times he got the ball, and then they scored off the third one. I just thought, I've never seen, I've never seen Tottenham try and play like this before. And I'm not even sure what the kind of game plan is here. His, his game plan seems to be to bypass the midfield completely. Mm. And yet weirdly, when you look at the Kanemura game and you look at the Villa game, the midfield is suddenly a very cohesive unit. It's playing really well. But, you know, suddenly kind of Oliver Skip looks like the future of that midfield everyone's working hard for each other. And 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 a whole part of the team that didn't exist before suddenly seems to have kind of grown up in its place. And I think, I suppose that is a timing thing. So I wouldn't sack him. But if he, if we'd lost against Villa, I would, I'd have had him gone that night.
1: Mm, that's interesting. I mean, Terry, you know, you mentioned the chaos before and you must've started pre-seasons where things don't go right. And in fairness, Nuno had his talisman striker, coming back sulking because he thought he was going. He had You mentioned he had the Latin players stuck in Brazil and then Croatia. He had key players more than Bergwijn getting injured. Uh, he's had a lot of issues and... Do you sometimes get early in the season, especially with a new manager, where certain actual competitive games for, for the coaching staff, almost like a training session, to see who works where? Because as Dan said, that midfield was non-existent against Arsenal. We all knew you've got to have Holbier and Skip in the middle, and then people around them, uh, which obviously he did um, against Villa. Uh, which, you know, most fans would go, we'll start with that. You know, there's obviously going to be still, we'll talk about Ndombele later, does he give a and and Deli Ali? but you, you must have gone through pre-seasons where you're kind of not too sure what the coach wants because he doesn't know himself. Yeah, because it,
0: they're always thinking on their feet. And I think yeah.
1: the, in, the interesting
0: aspect here, though, is we got off to a good start, a good solid yeah. start, which you then would think a pattern of play would emerge. Mm. And what I find interesting with Nuno is having watched him closer at Valencia than, than I did at Wolves, to be honest. Mm. It was a completely different style of football at Wolves to what we saw at Valencia. At Valencia, it was pretty gung-ho, very attack-minded. They impressed and did well under him because they were one of those teams that looked to get the ball wide as quickly as possible, get it crossed into the box. And there was always three or four players attacking the penalty area. And it took a lot of teams by surprise. And you know, Valencia did, did well for a period playing that way when he was manager so to see him at Wolves and now to see him at Spurs I'm wondering whether he's still finding his true style because yeah. the, the first one I preferred really good they're good yeah. players good attacking players and it was all out of tank plenty of players getting in the box, early crosses into the the box and it was it it was really good to watch so mm-hmm. is he still you know working out perhaps he's become more pragmatic Because of the pressures of the job, as you know, his first job, he was the enthusiasm was there. Then, similar to a player, when you're a young player, you have no pressure whatsoever. You go out, you're living the dream, you're having the time of your life. Suddenly, you get a bit older and you start worrying about your position, worrying about contracts, worrying about relegation, transfers, someone coming in and taking your place. As a manager, he kind of looked like that with his first job, his first major job. And he was, it was, it was, his team were thrilling to watch. Wolves weren't. Um, and as Dan said, perhaps he was the beneficiary of some George Mendes signings, Um But I think it's, it's early yet to identify exactly what his style is because he's yeah. changed from, from in different games, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were solid hard to beat, keeping clean sheets. And then all of a sudden the defense has changed. The midfield has changed. A lot of that is due to, due to circumstances that are possibly out of his control.
3: Yeah. The player
0: has been injured, missing, yeah. and you know, away in international duty, having to rotate the mm. players as well is a, a big issue when you know we've played more games than most already, and you yeah, think that some true. of the journeys the international players have had on top, it's 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 balmy what's happening in, in football at the moment,
1: yeah. Uh, Nathan, I mean, let's just sort of go back to the villa game. The first 10 15 minutes was awful, they looked nervous. Uh, the crowd there, there was passes going astray for throw ons, under hit passes, you could hear a visible groan within the crowd. And then slowly, we just started getting into it. There was a couple of speculative shots. The crowd applauded. The crowd really, I thought, tried to lift them. Um, And obviously, uh, we got the goal. And it was was a great move. Holbier, who, if there's been one criticism of him, he doesn't score enough, doesn't get forward enough, did that, started the move. Son, who I think was most players' man of the match, looked up, I mean, you can argue from Villa point of view, Nathan, that the defending was awful. It's too much space on the edge of the box. But it was a, you know, it was it was a bright start, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, I think, as you say, I think once we got that foothold and once we started, sort of, you know, we're, we're Spurs. We understand the DNA, as they call it, of our club. And it's about, at home, taking the game to the other team. And it started off a little bit like we were hoofing the ball up again. And that just, it was, it was, it was sometimes you, you have to do, you're under pressure and you have to clear the ball. But it felt like that was the the plan, if you like. But then I think once... That midfield emerged into it, and they started playing wide. And more particularly, is the one player when when nothing much is happening. You know, for all his faults, he's the one player that does make runs, make himself available, turn, get pull, pull defenses out of shape. And once he started doing that, it brought others in. And like you say, two or three shots, and, and, it, and it lifted the place. It's all we need to see is teams having a go, and and we'll we'll accept that. And and I and I think we'll we'll then get behind the team. And that's what felt like it happened.
1: Dan, after their equaliser, again, once the, the Villa goal went in, which I thought was a decent goal. I know uh, Romero dived in and, you know, didn't win the ball. Again, there was absolute silence around the crowd. It was literally just... I mean, you could barely hear the Villa fans. It was just silence. But then, unlike Tottenham this season, they went for it. And, and to score three, four minutes later with, you know, really nice move, Sun again doing brilliantly, it lifted the crowd. And after that, apart from... Uh, Ings having a turn and shot. We could have done better. The great block from um, uh, Romero from, I think it was Matty Cash. We look, you know, we we look that the team were likely to score. Would you agree?
2: Well, I think you know that, that would have been, whether he would have got, you know, done away with this week, I think that would have been, um, had we not scored that, the winning goal, I think that would have been sort of, you no know, a dead man walking really. I think they would have then been actively trying to find uh, a replacement. And, um and I think, you know, there's goals that sort of change the, the way that a, um, a, a, a kind of coach's fortunes are shaping up. And there was that Ryan Mason goal against Nottingham Forest where it looked like Pochettino might potentially have been on the scrap heap if that hadn't gone in. And this feels a little bit like that goal. You know, now we might be able to kick on. We might, he might be able to turn because it, it's a decent team. There's some really good players without doubt. And, um, and I, I'm not one of those people who sort of like thinks that Levy really hasn't backed the manager. You know, here we have got, you know, good new young players and Paratici, you know, has, has dragged in some players who, who look like they do have some potential. Um, and I think we need a little bit of luck. But, you know, the main thing here is that in this game, we created some chances, even as the game went on, you know, kind of uh, La should have scored. Kane definitely should have scored right at the end. And you can count on one hand the number of chances we created in the first three games, I mean, we had sort of one shot and goal against Man City and scored it. We had a penalty against Wolves and didn't create any other chances at all. And then the goal against Watford was a fluke. So the big concern for me really has been the games where we just haven't created any chances. Generally in the Europa Conference League, we have created a few chances because it seems our team really likes beating up on Slovenian minnows. Uh, and in the Carabao Cup, we've, you know, we, we, we've, we've been a bit more f- free-flowing. But, you know, I needed really for us, I needed to see us create a few chances and look like we're going to score. And that's what happened on Sunday. And to that extent, I'm very relieved.
1: Yeah. Well, let's go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some individual players and then we're going to talk about the the the, the Mura game as well and looking ahead. Back after this short break. we're back from the break uh don't forget for premium content including a daily news show x player interviews original documentary series on spurs go to patreon.com slash spurs show support our show in the process i already mentioned uh, the michael dawson show we had last week for spurs show season ticket holders you can be at all our monthly events go to season.spurshow.net i think it's november the second we've got terry naylor uh, talking about his new autobiography, Nutter Nailers with us. And then December the 6th, I mentioned the big show at the 100 Club. Uh, it's a much cheaper way to come to all our monthly events. Sign up at season.spurshow.net or if you can only make the Christmas show, xmas.spurshow.net. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and please leave us a nice review on iTunes. Um, right, individual players. Um, Terry, I, I don't know how many games you've seen this season. The one player that I still think... Is you know sort of the jury's out on is obviously Undom Belle who uh, wasn't getting in. Suddenly now I think he started the last three games. Lasted seventy five minutes uh, against Aston Villa. Uh, still, uh, I think he's still on paper, on paper our most expensive player. I think. Yeah, um, a long way. Yeah. What, what, what are your feelings on him? It's sort of the. There's a player in there. We all a player in there. But my problem is when he does his lovely little touches and all that, they're not in places in the pitch where they really matter. That's kind of my take on it. What's yours?
0: Yeah, my uh, my frustration is the fact that we did spend a massive amount of money on him. And if Fieder cost half of that amount, we might be saying, well, you know, there's a player in there. There should be a player in there for nearly on 60 million, wasn't it?
1: We I think with all him. the bonuses, I think it comes yeah. close to that. Yeah. and
0: I think you know when Tottenham is spending that sort of money, then we we need a player that makes a, a difference, a massive difference. Not one that you're trying to get the best of, the best out of, and various managers were trying to do that in different ways. So that's my sense of frustration. That I, I don't. I think maybe the 60 million could have been spent better. But if you're judging purely on what we've got and around the other players, then yeah, you, you, you know, ignore the fact he costs that much money. I mean, we're not Man City and the Bench United. If we, have, if we spend that type of money, it has to be for a player that really does make a difference. And unfortunately, I don't think he has yet. But there might be a player
1: there. Um, where do you think? But where do you think his best position is? Because obviously, he was kind of a bit sort of wide right most of the time. He had one little run and, and then quite a weak shot where first time I've seen of this season, take players on and get in the box. Where would you kind of think he can do most damage for us or be most effective? Possibly in the,
0: the formation at the weekend, in the 4 yeah. two, 3 one. Because mm. I, I would see him, if he was playing in a midfield three or midfield two, might be a weakness that teams can run off of as well. Which then, you know, I guess we saw that in the Arsenal event, where yeah. he played in a more of a midfield three, allegedly, supposedly yeah. a midfield three, and it, it, it didn't work. And I think teams... The better teams would exploit that. I think if you're on top, he will show his skills, and if you're a player that we enjoy watching, but I just wish that money had been spent um, better um, and have a player that's, you know, if you could have bought two, and we could have been saying, you know, oh, he looks a player, he looks a player, but it was a, a significant amount of money for us to spend on one player, and you expect that one player, a lot more of that one player, to come in and make a huge difference, in it and. We're still waiting.
1: It's, it's an interesting take that, Nathan, because, you know, Daniel Levy is, you know, a lot of fans will point him and go, he doesn't splash out the big money on players. You know, uh, you know I remember when we got in Dembele, there was, we'd all seen him play for Lyon against Man City. I think Lyon beat Man City and he looked really, really good. There was kind of, there were shades of Pogba about him in that game. There were shades of Moussa Dembele holding to the ball. And we thought, oh, we finally got a powerful and skillful player In the midfield, what's your take on him?
3: I think Terry's absolutely right. We expected a real real finished article there to take us to the next level. My worry is that having spent 60 million on that player and it's not worked out, Mr. Levy might never do that again, you know, because it's sort of, you know, is he better off, you know, hedging his bets, going for someone with a bit more value that that maybe puts less at risk? But, you know, I I think if the club's anything wrong, did they? check on the kind of personality and I don't know him well and I can't tell you whether he's you know a good egg or not but like it just seems to sort of the body language isn't brilliant when it's not going his way and that and that concerns me um, and if I was the director of football I'd be I'd have my reservations about spending 60 million quid on a player that can can go missing in the, in the way that we've seen him technically unbelievable and you've got a 60 million pound player in his technique, but. As Terry will probably attest, you need more than that. You need the right kind of, you know, you need to dig in when it's not going right. And you need to have the, the, the Steve Perryman kind of, you know, that personality with aligned with a skillful player. And that's probably the two things that come together to make a £60 million player. And I feel like we got half of it, and I'm not convinced on the other half.
1: Dan, there was a story that came out um, earlier this season that last season, when he was effectively dropped for the League Cup final, uh, that was it. His head went down. He wanted out. Uh, he he really felt that he he's, he feels himself. He's a big time player, and when Ryan Mason didn't select him, he he felt very down. You you've obviously seen him home and away. Um, do you agree what Terry and Nathan say, or do you have another take on it?
2: Well, he's very he's very very divisive. I mean, I've seen like you know particularly amongst the away crowd, um, there's people who absolutely absolutely hate him and and think that his fitness issue. Um, uh, and his lack of fitness is a sort of personal insult to them. There was the game, uh, you know, there's always rumours that, that kind of go round about Bellet. There was all the kind of sort of stuff about, you know, why he went off against, you know, Chelsea, where he supposedly had the eye injury. And no one was quite sure about that. And then there was the game, uh, on New Year's Day a couple of years ago against Southampton where we lost one nil and he he went over and didn't want to continue playing and that's supposedly when he fell out with Mourinho. There were questions that were surrounding Endon even before he sur- before he ended up playing for Leon. You know, there was questions about his mentality and about how um, how much he wanted to put the work in. You definitely can't question his skill. I mean he's one of the most skillful players I've ever seen in a club and you know wow. that's saying something. Mm. I think you know on a good day, um Endon is like um was like Gazarin 1990. But on a yeah. bad day, he's like Gaza now. And mm. um, I just think he's—he—you he, don't know which one is going to turn up. But the the thing that's odd about Endon Ballet is that when he was at Lyon, he was really, really good at stepping in front of a pass. He was really good at intercepting. So he's not great at tackling, and his work rate is not amazing. But he could read the game, and he could win the ball back for you with a high press. And now he just can't seem to do that anymore. Um, I would still pick him because I think he's one of the best players in the team. Um, but I think he's. I think he's. He's offering. He, he's making that midfield a bit lopsided, and actually, I think he's probably making Hoiberg play worse. And I think actually, you know, Hoiberg has escaped a bit of criticism in the last year or so. Really, you know, he was incredible when we first signed him. He had a bad debut, but then, but then he really, really turned into played every
1: that. game though, didn't he? he yeah, was, but, be, he but as the knackered. season went on,
2: as every the season went on, he, he looked he looked more and more knackered, and he would give the ball away a lot. And he's been doing that at the beginning of this season as well. There's a lot of games where he's giving away very easy passes, but he looked he looked back to his best on Sunday. I mean, he's undoubtedly incredibly talented, and we should build the midfield probably around him and not. If you could put
3: those two players together, you'd have probably the complete article. You know, it's really Uh interesting, isn't it? And and yeah, it really is. It's really sort of that—that's the difference. And you know, and I bore people senseless, but but we've never replaced Dembele. I think we don't. We've never had a player in my lifetime as that that was as. I mean, I put Dembele right up there and the all-time great in my lifetime of midfielders. He, he just, I feel like that, that team that Pochettino was built around him and then when he left, I, I, think, I think it's sort of like you realise what a loss it was and, you know, we all hope Dembele was that player and I think he's only partially, it, I'm afraid. But
2: you can't replace no, Dembele. No, that's, that's, there's there's that's no the other problem. player the, like, like the... him and, and you can't, you know, and people said, well, we haven't replaced Eriksen. We can't replace yeah. Eriksen either. There's no other player like him.
1: Terry, the, the, there has obviously been, you know, a lot of criticism about Harry Kane um, uh, this season. Came back late. Uh, I, I think only the most gullible would think he didn't want to stay at Tottenham. The, the deal didn't happen. The deal he wanted for whatever reason. he He's now back at Tottenham for the foreseeable future. Um, there were signs of improvement. Obviously, he hasn't scored in the league yet. There were signs of improvement on Sunday. He had an audacious free kick, uh, quick free kick, which nearly caught out Martinez, which to me yeah. showed a confident player mm. to even look at that and try it. There was a good chance the second half that Dan mentioned and the rebound, there were players in better positions, but he tried to lob the keeper. Where do you think he's head at? Do you think we shouldn't be worrying about Harry Kane and he'll come good? Or do you think that there's, there's something deeper going on?
0: No, I think with Harry Kane, he's, he's earned our trust, surely. Mm. Now, it's been an unsettled summer and an unsettled period in his career, because prior to that, whenever he's played, he scored goals, it's been playing for his team that he wanted to play for and wanted to continue playing for. Then the, the, the narrative changed, the club changed. The, the future didn't look as bright as it did when we were in the Champions League final and we, we were regularly qualifying for the, in the top four. So I kind of get where he was coming from, but I, I trust him now to not do anything other than, do his best and be hungry to score as many goals as he always has done, and it's just been a, a, a stuttering start to the season for him. That's not a, unusual, actually. It's, it's happened in the past, isn't it? Where he's taken a while.
1: But you know, to it's a bad going. August. Very rarely scores in yeah. August. Uh, so
0: I, I think he's earned our trust. I don't expect anything other than Harry Kane to to go about his, his job in exactly the same manner he has done. What happens in January? What happens next summer? I don't know. But I, I trust him to be, you know, doing, trying to do his, the, exactly what he's been doing for Spurs all these years so far.
1: Yeah, Dan. What was interesting going now talking about the the Moor game where it was five one was when he came on, when the cavalry sort of came on, uh, him and him and some particularly, just to have him in and around the box, not moving from <laughs> in the box. I think it was Lo Celso, There was an assist, uh, Mora, M- Mora as well. Three beautifully taken goals, you know, they look so simple, but they weren't kind of simple the way he took them. Is that frustration when you see him in that position? You just think, if you just stayed there and we had players that could find you, you know, the criticism has been for the last few seasons, our fullbacks can't play a first-time balling properly. the Celso sometimes can't find that pass. Do you think it's just about him getting the kind of service he probably richly deserves?
2: Yeah, but I think it's also we can't really sort of underestimate that he's the best midfielder in the club as well. And I think <laughs> like, you know, some of some of his passing has been a bit awry so far this season. But that backhill for Nacelso on Sunday was a joke. It's like that's what you that's what you paid the money for. Mm. That is a piece of audacious skill and execution. I've never seen anyone try and I've never seen anyone divert a ball like that with the back of their heel before. And I think that's what Harry has just always done. It's just things you've never seen done with the football before. I think you know he's a once-in-a-lifetime player. You'll never see a player as good for Spurs as him again. I mean, you know, I I'd never seen anyone as good as him before. And I've seen Gaza, you know, uh, Ginola, uh, Bale, all those players. But but I think, and, and so I agree with Terry. I think you know, he's he's earned, um, he's earned our patience uh definitely. But I think. It's not just a question of him going and standing up in the box and us booting the ball to him. I think he, you know, he does contribute a lot when he comes back. But the same thing was said of Sheringham like 20 years ago. You know, Sheringham spent far too much time when he got praised for being a thinking man's footballer. He spent far too much time going and playing in defence when he should have been up, you know, up front. And you know, I, I think we, you can't overlook what Harry does that far back. I wish he would play further forward,
1: though. Mm. I mean, Nathan, the big difference I think for Harry's game is. When Sun's on fire as well. Sun has had a quiet start to this season, but we saw he, he was absolutely wonderful on uh, on Sunday. I thought again. So let's let's be honest. Aston were a very very good team. They have a full time set piece coach, and boy, the long throws were coming in the corners. Very very physical. I thought the ref. Uh, Kavanaugh was very poor on Sunday. There were so many niggly fouls off the ball when he was playing on, uh, or certainly wasn't playing on. There was an off the ball instance. I remember. I think it was with um, Royal with with Cashwell. I thought he caught him on the touch line and didn't even look at it again. Um, but when Sun's on Farge he kind of lifts Kane and lifts the players around him, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, and
3: look, let, <clears throat> let's never take Harry Kane for granted, right? You know, Dan's right. That's he. He will look back on him in or what we've actually had the pleasure of seeing. And yes, you can look at the summer and whether his age or whoever handled it, but who, who knows what, you know, you understand why he's, you know, where, why he maybe wanted to get out. But this is an incredible player. and But we can't just sort of pump the ball up to him, which is what we've been doing. Expect, stand around, expect Harry Kane to score goals the rest of the team needs to be playing well as soon as the rest of the team played well it created Kane, space for Kane on the edge of the box and he got a couple of shots away and I'm sure he'd, you know he'd have liked to hit the target and a couple that went over and stuff but the fact is we saw him involved in getting strikes on goal which we hadn't seen up to now this season and for me that's not down to Harry Kane as much as every the movement and the the, the, the pattern of play that was going on and around him it created the space you can't if no one else is running around he's going to be double marked every time so we've got to pull we've got to pull their defence around which we did for the first time this weekend. and son you're right son was a huge part of that so is this a sort of concern though you take kane's
1: goals out the equation son's goals out the equation last season <laughs> we had bale chipping in vinicius chipping in if you take those two out and there's you know there'll be suspensions and injuries and stuff who in that team should be putting the ball in the net a bit more.
0: Most teams, most teams would be in trouble if you took out their two best strikers, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they're as good as they are. I mean, if you were to say who would score goals for Liverpool if you took out Salah, Mane, yeah. Firmino, they'd be left with Origi and mm. you know one or two others. So yeah, it's always going to be an issue, but we haven't got a, a supply of you know two outstanding standings. We yeah. haven't got. A midfield player, and Gareth Bale, I think, actually, you make a fair point, that sort of drift, that went unnoticed, didn't it? And, and working back in Spain this year, and I was saying, tending people, actually, how many goals he got because the narrative there was that he was rubbish at Spurs. Because oh, really? He wasn't playing. Right? And then, yeah, and, and they, they they just, well, what you've got to realise is they they wanted him to stay at Spurs. They didn't want right. him back. The media, not so much right. the much club, not Ancelotti, the media, they, 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 that's, they, they're never, never going to change. Regarding Gareth Bell and they were wanting him to stay. The fact he didn't stay, they put down to the fact that he, he didn't play well enough. But I, I said to them, he actually made goal scoring look ridiculously easy. Yeah, ridiculous stats in, in the short amount of games and minutes that he had was he made it look ridiculous. So I think he, he would be a loss. A player of his talent, with the amount of goals he got, so that's going to be a problem this season. But it is hard for you know any club to to cover. You hope that some of the midfield players might, Los Ilse might contribute more goals. Delhi Alley might contribute more goals. There is players there, you know, Moura, Bergwine, those type of players. But it, we, we would be in trouble if we was to lose. And that's been shown in the past when we lost Harry Kane.
1: Yeah,
3: no, Dan, it was weird. He would be in trouble. Terry, was there a chance oh, no. of us ever keeping Bale for the second season? What was that? What's the story behind that?
0: I've no idea. Honestly, I thought I was hoping he would stay.
1: We, we all thought there was an option. There was an option for the second season which Tottenham, we assumed, didn't take up. We were still paying a fraction of his wages, allegedly around £240,000 a week. I think that was worth it with the players we sold, with the players we moved on. We got to soak off the wage bill on big money, Adderveld off the wage bill, big money. There were some fringe players that went off the wage bill. I I, I, I was quite mystified that we didn't keep him if if we had that option. Dan, what do you reckon? Yeah,
3: Especially as there wasn't anyone coming in that you thought... Yeah, we'll, we'll take, we, take his place. Because there was those 10, 15 goals and the more he played regularly, the better he Absolutely. started to look. So it was... Yeah, that I feel that that that's made us a bit weaker.
1: Sam, yeah, were you sad to see him go?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like that he he made last season, which was a weird up and down season, but sort of strangely enjoyable in some uh like, respects. <laughs> he he made it actually quite a memorable season. I mean, mm. you know, I'm I think as I get older, all I really want is like sort of sentimental repeats of things I enjoyed the first time round. And I think kind of Bale coming back, he could have he could have shown up and and not scored a single goal or got a single assist, and I still would have been happy with that. And I think um the the only the thing that was weird about us signing him in the first place is it seemed last season like we've already got about four of his type of player. We've got you know Bergwijn, we've got uh, Mora, we've got Sun. You know they're not all they're not all made equal, but they are players who are sort of powerful, pacey, and who run at you. Um, but then you know the amount of goals that he chipped in uh, and how much he scared and stretched teams. I mean it was that Leicester game at the end of last season where he kind of came on and, and changed the game. And you actually genuinely felt quite bad for Leicester as they fell apart. I'd love to, I'd love for him to have stayed. But, you know, that, that's that been this thing on Twitter sort of the last few months or so. Everyone keeps on talking about players we haven't replaced. And yet, when everyone's kind of like going, oh, the number of people who've said, uh, oh, we haven't replaced Carlos Vinicius, you and, know, and we're and... scraping the bottom of the barrel then.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, mean, yeah, I just felt got, got 11 in 20 Premier League games
1: there last
0: season. Wow. We're going to we're, we're, no, we're probably not going to have anyone outside of Harry and Son that, that Get 11. Yeah. And those 20 appearances, he didn't start most of them. How many
2: goals did we score all, all, all across the board last year? We scored like, you know, hundreds of goals last season. <laughs>
0: like, like, literally hundreds. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but I would say about
0: Gareth Bell, he's missing for three yeah, months that's again, true. injured. So, perhaps <laughs> that, that, that's, that's what happens, unfortunately. Yeah.
1: Well, look, uh, that's pretty much it. Obviously, no game uh, next week. It's this annoying International break. We all hope that Harry doesn't play against, is it? Who have we got? Is it Andorra <laughs> and Hungary? I think it is. It's just bizarre, really. Uh, next week, but we will have a show next week for you out there. Theo Delaney will be here with the Northern Soul DJ Richard Serling and Talk Sports Paul Hawksby. As I said on Friday, uh, part one of our wonderful interview we had with Michael Dawson last week. What a lovely guy he was. And I also this week interviewed Ian Walker, who's still in Shanghai. Really interesting chat with him about Chinese football and his time at Tottenham. Um, I think that will probably we'll probably put that out maybe the next international break. I think there's another one in November. Uh, Dan, uh, Channel Five, anything you'd like to plug one of the uh, our listener to uh, to to, to watch or or uh, record? Um,
2: well, I would just say kind of keep watching the channel really. If um, if people watch TV when it goes out, then I'll stay in a job, and I quite like my job, so that would yeah. be uh, that'd be good. I've actually got a little story to tell quickly, sure. very quickly. Yeah. It's a football story. There's somebody told me this recently, and it's stuck in my head ever since. So we all know George Mendes, the uh, Portuguese super agent who mm-hmm. effectively runs football nowadays and, and makes <laughs> somehow manages to make money off every single transfer, regardless whether it's his client or not. So <laughs> you might know this story already, but George Mendes wasn't always a football agent. In 1996, he was a nightclub owner. And one night in 1996, he wanted to get, he'd been a failed footballer, but he wanted to kind of get into agenting. And he saw this um, player who played for the local club, drunk and depressed in the corner of his club. And he goes up to him and he says, oh, you know, what's the matter with you? And he goes, well, my gaffer won't pick me. And he goes, well, I want to be an agent. I can represent you and I can potentially broker a deal to another club. And the bloke goes, all right, fine. So he starts selling this guy who never seems to get in the team uh, as as added value, he's not just a player, but he'll coach young players. He's really clever. He's got a football brain. So he then kind of manages to sell this player on to Deportivo La Coruña. He then goes to meet loads of other teams, and he uses this player as a calling card um, to to kind of go and meet other managers, meet other players. He picks up Mourinho. He picks up Ronaldo, and he ends up basing his entire agency off this one player who he transfers around to other clubs, who's his friend, but who never gets in the team no matter where he goes. That player was Nuno.
0: <laughs> well, I'm Nuno uh, was coming.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> Have you heard that story, Terry? Have you heard that yeah, story? I
0: think I think it's pretty nailed on. Yeah, yeah it is wow. pretty true. Yeah.
1: well on that bombshell uh, (laughs) what a great story I don't know what that says about Nuno uh, if if honest uh, He comes across as a thoroughly decent chap really yeah uh, yeah Yeah. you know I I think what we forget about Wolves uh, in in fairness I I remember them thrashing us well they they beat us easily I think there was that game at Wembley where they beat us there was another game Uh, at the new stadium they beat us. I remember them beating, I think, Liverpool United at Molineux, Man City. Uh, Let's just hope he gets his tactics right. Let's hope he goes a bit gung-ho. Oh, talking about TV, someone else mentioned the Jimmy Greaves documentary that BT Sports put out a few years ago now, which the Spurs show are in, because we probably had Jimmy Greaves for a live show. I'm assuming one of the last kind of public sort of event he kind of did anyway itv are showing the documentary especially if you don't pay for bt sport itv one next monday 11 p.m and then it's going to be on the itv app for a month go and see it it's a really really lovely uh, lovely documentary about the life of jimmy greaves who obviously is, is 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 dearly missed by every single spurs fan terry thank you so much for coming on um where could people hear Always you? Always pleasure, You're doing some work still in Spain. Which channel, which channel has, Spain, has Spanish TV at the moment?
0: It's a, No, it's, they've got their own channel called La Liga TV, which is, you can watch it on Premier Sports if you Premier, subscribe right. to that, or you can subscribe just to La Liga TV where we show all the games every week. Um, apart from the Saturday ones, they've been blocked off again, the three o'clock kickoffs.
1: right?
0: Um, they've, programs i don't know if you remember like revista de la liga the mm-hmm. sky program they have one of them every day right so i'm lucky enough that i've been asked to been going out there for about three years now so to do the programs do matches do some code yeah. commentaries and so i go every sort
1: of three weeks any players Barcelona. you could uh, put to, any players young players you seen coming through you think oh god he'd be great in the prem one Anyone of them was you... brian keel
0: one of one was brian hill i was Delighted to oh, I really? signed him. Might have cost a bit more than I thought. Yeah. But he was really talked about last year. He was on loan at Eibar, who we were terrible, relegated, bottom of the league. And he was one of the most talked about players in La Liga last season because he was absolutely superb. So I was surprised when we got him. I wasn't aware that he was going to be available because I thought he would go back to Sevilla, despite them having loads and loads of players in that position. But he was a shining light in La Liga. So hopefully, fingers crossed, he, he continues that progress that we've seen in la liga now he's uh wearing the spurs shirt
1: well let's hope we get some more game time maybe we'll just in these european games that we've got uh coming up and nathan obviously the o2 open for business uh what's coming up anything special coming on at the arena that people should know about
3: oh god now you put me on the spot uh, yeah, yeah loads, loads this, of this stuff exactly what i've done <laughs> boxing coming up and all sorts oh, what's of the stuff.
1: boxing what's the boxing on there
3: uh, dillian white's coming so yeah oh, okay. so that, no, that'll be good. So yeah, lots, lots, lots nice to have arenas and stadiums and everything back open, um, and everything else. And, and if we're plugging, I'll also plug the podcast as well that of we're course. that we're doing. So Middle, middle Please umpire, please a...
1: umpire uh, produced by Nathan Kosky and Playback Media, my company. Great cricket show with the uh, England fast bowler Mark Wood and comedian Miles Jupp, chalk and cheese together. Series four, series three coming yep. out mid October. Yep, some other. Big guest. We've already had what Joe Root, Johnny Bearstone, Michael Atherton, um, Sam Mendes. That was a good one. Yeah.
3: Sam Mendes. Yeah. We've had so, so a lot of cricket fans, a lot of some of Mark's teammates, so all from the world of cricket. So, really, really, um, really great mix. And it's good fun. So, hopefully, uh, yeah, if you like cricket, give a listen. Absolutely.
1: Without a doubt. Well, look, Terry, thank you so much. Lovely to see you again. Dan, pleasure. Good luck with all your running. Uh, Nathan, thank you very much uh, for joining us Well, Theo will be here next week Uh, don't forget, go and get your tickets for December the 6th as well, xmas.spurshow.net until next time come on you Spurs if you want to advertise on or sponsor this show check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk
0: Sports Social Podcast Network